themselves after our guys put a beat down on them earlier this year in Golden State. Welcome to Views from the Clutch. I go by the name of Smart Alex. I'm here with my brother from another. See, Grandma. And we are back with an impromptu emergency edition of Views from the Clutch. As always, we'd like to take a moment out to say thank you to our supporters, listeners, and subscribers. If you would like to join us, you can do so by following us on any of the podcasting platforms we're hosted. Spotify Music, Apple, leave us a five-star review if you get an opportunity. Any comments and feedback is welcome. You can reach us directly at viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. Tag us on social media at viewsfromtheclutch on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Well, I think we got to get our um, social media pages fixed. But definitely search for us. If you can't find us, then, you know, you know what to do. Hit us up. Wow, man. How's your summer been going? No, no complaints, really. Just just hot. Just the summertime. Hot. Yeah. Humid. Weather crazy. Warnings. Forever. All summer. So it, it feels like it feels like it's pretty much the entire United States, you know, even back home. Oh, in of New course. York, they, even back home in New York, they've been crying about getting cooked. And I've been looking at their temperature reports. And they've been, you know, but anyway, as we all know, climate change is a real thing. So we hope that you all are taking the precautions necessary to properly allow yourself to sustain in this environment, stay hydrated, stay close to, you know, the opportunity to stay cool and all those things. Cause, uh, the NBA's on fire. Crazy. The only basketball Crazy. being played is international, but the NBA itself is on fire. So we're gonna go ahead and you know we'll get to the we'll get to the meat and potatoes, which is the James Harden situation in a moment. But before we get there, let's go ahead and address some of the other situations taking place in basketball as we know it. Um, what's your take on the US men's national basketball team? Have you been watching? I've been watching some of some of the games, and I mean, what I see is it seems like Ant Edwards is doing very well. It seems like the Team USA. I think they're going to run into some trouble with some of the taller teams that have been playing together have more chemistry. But mm-hmm. I feel like the 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 ten, the teams the get the few games slash highlights I've watched, they're going to eventually make a couple stops here and there and finish. And, you know, that's that's the biggest thing. Um, I think also they just still – they're still such a young team. They're still trying to figure out the strengths, the weaknesses. Guys are not trying to – because, again, the NBA is such a – it's really a different game than the international game, mm-hmm. how well the ball the ball is facilitated, how mm-hmm. much the the middle of the floor – is a great area to score in where in the NBA it's normally from the top of the key or the wings. But whereas you get in a lot of international games, if you can get to that free throw line, even the uh, elbow, the el- each elbow, you can definitely do some damage. Because a lot of times since the the uh, perimeter is wider, since the, since the perimeter is a little wider, I mean the um, the paint is a little wider, you have mm-hmm. to adjust your uh, – the defense has to adjust a little bit. A lot of times you can get the um, – if, if you get the ball to the, um, to the middle, you can, you can get the pass down down towards the basket with a couple of cutters. And, and the um, USA has got a couple of plays where they do that, and they've been scoring efficiently with that. But, I mean, overall, running into some trouble. Do I really feel like they can't win a gold? Uh, it's still early to tell because I haven't really seen all the other teams, but I, I, I don't, I don't think the U S is going to be, it's not going to be the 2004 Athens Greece team. No. So you, you, you would expect that they're going to medal. I think that yes. Medal. Yes. 
I don't gold. Mm, that's still the, up for debate. I I think though I could definitely think they can medal though. I'd be shocked if they don't get a medal. Mm. So you uh really have not been watching the games, huh? No, like I said, I I, I won't lie. So to are you familiar that somebody on team? If I told you that somebody on Team USA had twenty two points on nine for nine shooting, who, that was Jalen Brunson. Oh, okay. Because I mean, you're 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 the face of the Knicks, and you didn't mention that. I mean, that's J- Jalen Brunson gets busy, but I feel like Team USA is. I feel like if if a particular player has that many points and they're only getting about ninety, there's a problem. Because I feel In like the international if, game. Yeah, because if one player, if one player is on the Team USA is dominating that much. I feel like the game is a little too close. And I really feel like from what I saw, and they just played, they just beat, um, it was... They beat Spain, uh, who is arguably one of the favorites for the gold medal. But did they do... That was, was that the last game? I don't remember. They just played Spain. Prior to that, they played Slovenia without um, Luka Doncic. Yes, that's the team where they ended up winning by the box score by 20, but... The whole fourth quarter, it was like single digits until towards the end. If that's if that's the uh, same game I'm remembering, yeah, that they, game pulled, def- they, they pulled away late. They pulled away late against Puerto Rico as well. Yeah. So so what have um, you been observing? Well, I, I just want to say that I think the Knicks should be prepared for Jalen Brunson to take another leap because mm. history has shown that. The guys who go out and show out in international competition and do well in these international tournaments, they come back into the NBA that following season and and they go places. This was I, I, we all knew Kevin Durant was special before he got mm-hmm. on Team USA, but when yeah. he came back from Team USA, that's when she's the real MVP and those type of seasons started happening for him. The ones where he was, you know, essentially able to ascend into that echelon of you know, top-level player status that I would say even now he probably still occupies. You, 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 you probably still can't say that Kevin Durant isn't a top-10 player in the league, even at this age and, you know, what he's been through with his body physically. Now, am I saying that's where Jalen Brunson's about to go? No, but I definitely think that he is projecting himself to be a top-5 to 10 guard. Next well, year it's, it's it's safe to say he'll at, at the rate he's going, he'll have an all he'll get that all star. He'll get to that he'll get that all star um, berth. Because remember last last season there was yeah, he got a, snubbed and uh, instead of him being the Nick representative, it was uh, our yeah. boy Randall. Yeah, but I mean, but you know, in that case, there was a lot of argument where it could have been both because they Correct. were, and that's what, what I mean? we so, argued. We argued that. It should be two, but it's gonna be one. And of those two, it's I picked, give. I picked Brunson. You picked. Yeah. Randall. And I only and picked Randall because of the fact that he was already an All Star for the Knicks. You know, normally time it's kind of hard for. I think as the season played out, people realized what well, Brunson should have been an All Star. But I think he can use the second half of the Knicks season plus what he's doing with Team USA to catapult, so that there is no discrepancy about if he's going to be an all-star this upcoming season. And that's what I think. I think everybody, I think also with the, um, the thing about the NBA, I think every team, every player should show a lot of growth. I even see like Austin, River, Austin Reeves stepping up. And I is see, that what you're uh, doing today? this is the opposite thing. You talk about guys from my team. I talk about guys from your team. I like this. Keep going. No, I'm just really, I'm just really saying that. I see Reeves is trying to make sure that hey, I earn my contract. I think Josh, Josh Hart also is going to be a factor for the Team USA because that that scrappy play is something that Team USA needs in international play. They're going to mm-hmm. need those those certain role players, and I only I only mentioned those two guys because they were role players for their their teams, the NBA teams, so they can actually transition to the international play and if they can keep that up that's going to help them going forward in their careers so congratulations to Josh Hart getting that getting his extension you know mm-hmm. he um 
he allowed the Knicks to delay him getting extension so that they continue to make moves. I found that to be very admirable considering that he came to the Knicks as part of a trade. So typically when you come to a team as part of a trade, you don't have the equity or the, the, the confidence to believe that you can let, you know, the new team play with your money and you, you try to secure your bag. But he actually took the patient route and what did it lead to? 40 years, 80 million about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So congratulations to Josh Hart. I think that that contract is deserved. I had a number of debates with people who were like, he got overpaid. And when you look at the market uh-huh. and where he's at, I, I don't agree because he is the best rebounding guard in the NBA. And when you have any type of statistical leadership of a category that's valuable to winning, it's hard to argue against that guy being compensated. I think he's also, what, around the 40% range from corner threes? Yeah. Now, did he shoot well in the postseason? No. No. Was he on a team that he never played with before? Yes. Has, mm-hmm. Is this not like his seventh team in five years? I mean, yeah, but I think this, this, I think he's made this his home because I think guys – Oh, yeah, but that's got, not a debate. Yeah, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. But my point is, is that this is a guy who, who's dealt with the unstable, insecure nature of the NBA – at its fullest extent. I mean, if we mm-hmm. go through the list of celebrity teammates he's had, he's been oh, he's, he's Zion old. Williamson's teammate. He's been mm-hmm. LeBron's teammate. Yeah, he's been Dame Lillard's you. teammate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, mind you, LeBron is kind of like the, you know, Kevin Bacon of the NBA. Almost everybody has played with him because of how long he's been in the league, either through playing with somebody who's played with him or playing directly with him, but for for Josh Hart to be basically in the arms of that many different franchises and find a home in New York, you know, kudos to him. He's a Villanova oh, kid, a sure. national championship, and, and it's well-deserved. But getting back to team, Anthony Edwards has pretty much proven that he's, he's, he's on a superstar level tier with mm-hmm. how easy he scores. Now, yeah, when yeah, you're sure. one of those, when you're one of those prime level scorers like he is, where you could just kind of like grab the ball and jump higher than everybody, or make a move and get distance and separation that just everybody else can't get, it, it puts you, it puts you in an in upper echelon. So he is kind of looking like the '84 Jordan, if you will, as far as his athleticism in comparison to the rest of his teammates and the people that he plays against. Um, I don't know if that's going to translate to him having, I, I, I think at this point with Minnesota essentially turning over the offensive keys to him, whatever he does is almost going to be expected. So if he was averaging 25 last year, him averaging 27 to 28, it's not really going to be a surprise. So you no, do expect no, him to not. take on more of a burden and carry more weight in Minnesota. I don't know if mm-hmm. that's going to lead to more success, even though they do have, you know, Rudy Gobert is the Ben Simmons of this summer. Have you seen what he's been up to? <laughs> I have, unfortunately. So, but so again, let's go ahead and speak to it. Rudy Gobert is out here taking threes again. and making them on camera consistently. Now, we all know that players in the offseason making threes means nothing. But the idea that Rudy Gobert would spend time working on his perimeter jump shot when he plays with Carl Anthony Towns, a player who already shoots a ton of threes, it's madness. What are they trying to space the floor for Anthony Edwards to post up? No, they're not going to post up at all. I mean, I think, I think what it is is they're just trying to give Rudy Gobert something to do because – what else is he? He's not, he's an offensive liability when it comes to the NBA. They don't they don't use him. The NBA is not played in a way where he can be efficient. If Rudy Gobert is your second Rudy Gobert scorer, does not have any type of a game inside of the three point line. It's all him. It's it's just those, those are rebounds, offensive rebounds. Yeah, right. Exactly. So. If if you because there are there's footage, well documented footage of him getting switched on to Chris Paul and not being able to do anything with it. Now you're a full foot and a half taller than Chris Paul, and we can't dump the ball down to you and get a guarantee too. No, you're right. It's there's just, something functionally wrong. I that, Dad. Hello. 
it's just functionally wrong. I'm here. I'm here. You're good, brother. Um, I, I would like to say that Brandon Ingram has looked good. Uh, most of the guys, Jared Jackson Jr. has looked good. I do think that, like, like you mentioned, that as as Team USA plays against bigger teams, he he may not be enough on the interior. Him and Bobby Portis. I know Walker Kessler is a part of that team, but he's not really getting any playing time in these exhibitions. It's almost like he's not really mm-hmm. a part of the rotation. But his height may wind up being their saving grace. Yeah, I didn't even. I'm not even gonna lie. The Kessler kid, I didn't even. And this might sound bad, but I thought I thought he was foreign. I didn't realize he was American. So I just right. thought, when I first when he played for Utah, I thought he was actually foreign. So I, when I saw him on the team, I said, "Wait a minute!" I I really didn't know much about him. I just remember seeing him. I've actually seen him in more in a couple a couple of interviews that were circling on the internet for like you know just his upbringing, like you know living making the transition from being a you know student athlete to now. You know, living under your parents, you know, roof to now being on your own. But I didn't even realize he was. I thought he was a I thought U.S. citizen. Full. I did not realize that. So that goes to show that yeah. for one, I didn't. I mean, but there's a lot of that going on. And in, in, like, I mean, not to say I didn't know, but every time I refind out, it disappoints me. Shaden Sharp is Canadian. Hmm. You know that high jumping kid that they got in Portland. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've, I've seen him. Yeah, definitely. I didn't realize Canada's that. team Canada, is quite loaded. Canada's team, I think, could give. I think Canada's team could give the U.S. some trouble. Absolutely. As far as them playing almost the equivalent style of game, mm-hmm. they could play each other. You know, one for one, and it could be a game that goes down. It could be a toss-up. Mm-hmm. Now, the gamesmanship and coaching and experience that the U.S. coaching staff brings, I would hope would be enough to allow them to eke out a win. I mean, I know that Canadian team is led by guys like Jamal Murray. I think Wiggins is on the team or is playing. But also, Canada's got, uh, got a nice collection. But yeah, uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Mm-hmm. Canadian basketball talent is, is, is at a peak. Oh, Could facts. it get better? Could it get better? Yes, but I mean... As of right now, they They're could be definitely, a force. Yeah, they are definitely an influence on the international basketball scene, and I do expect them to be a factor in what happens, you know, going forward for this tournament. Um, obviously, we're we're now at minute seventeen. We're we're, we're just gonna go ahead and break the eggs. So, um, to go ahead and segue, we do expect that Team USA will finish high. We do expect them to medal. I can't say that they're a, a clear favorite with the roster that they put together, but I do feel like they should be able to figure it out and at least qualify for what, what is it? The, 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 the uh, Olympics Olympics by getting into the medal round or whatever they need to do. I, I, mm-hmm. I expect that to complete me holding them to the gold standard. I, I would think would be a little bit unreasonable because seeing them play against Spain and just seeing the, the impact of what, international team experience can do to a team like USA who really is basically figuring it out on the fly, you know, a two-week mini camp or whatever they've had. And these are all new players that are part yeah. of the program now. Exactly. I'm not exactly a fan of how Grant Hill assembled them. I do kind of feel that it's weird that, you know, where's Trey Young? I didn't understand that either. I, and then maybe, again, that's the only thing sometimes with these, I really thought he would have been I just felt like, and he's a guy who wants to be there, which is which is what yeah, playing for Team USA it. is a big thing. And here, here's the here's the other catch that really threw me. Grant Hill is a part owner of the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. So I didn't understand that. I thought when I first heard that, I thought it was just one of those things where he had a couple some oblig- other obligations that didn't allow him no, to. Oh, he's been but, openly auditioning to be on no, Team when USA. I, yeah, that was that's what I didn't think. I was like, wait a minute. And then like now that you said it, it also reminded me like, yo, wait a minute. Grant Hill part owner, why on earth would you not showcase your top star on a team you own in in on in the world's biggest stage? Well, that also could use your floor spacing. Like it's now, not I like get it. I get it. He he he's he's a tough guy to use in international competition. As teams get bigger, he's not the greatest defender, so on and so forth. But guess what? Boy, he already man. has team. He already has team USA experience. 
he's already taken an under-17 team to the gold medal. He's yeah, already that, a part of the program. Yeah, it, it, and also think about this, man. Sometimes your best defense is a better offense. So that is a real thing, too. So, again, yes, I might give up 12 to 15 points, but if I, I, if I get 20 to 25, I still look better, and my team could win because of the difference I made between the difference I gave up. You know what I mean? If I'm still in a, a positive for a point differential, that's still a win. You know what I mean? So, again, that shooting, that floor space, you have to account for them. Teams would have to account for them. And that's the thing, too, what Team ESA is going to run into where the the lack of shooters that are not even necessarily known for shooting. So teams don't necessarily have to respect it. A guy young, he's known for shooting. Even just the courage to shoot it consistently and then also to make it. So teams would have to account for that. You know, they're not going to necessarily sit back in a zone and say, okay, Mikel Bridges, go ahead and shoot the three because you're not used to seeing you shoot threes. So we don't believe you. Yeah, Cam Johnson will play up against you. But somebody like Mikel Bridges were like, ah, let's see that. Josh Hart, ah, we'll see that. You know, but Trey Young is like, oh, no, we got to kind of play up for him. Yeah, he, he has a certified threat from the moment he steps on the floor with his shooting Sorry. range. And I agree. And I just definitely wanted to make sure I mentioned that before we segue off of this and just mm-hmm. let's just, you know, let's just crack the egg and talk about that, you know, the, the elephant in the room. Uh, so James Harden, while on tour in China, was asked about his feelings with the ongoing trade request situation he has with the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, we could, or C. Graham might be able to, and if he agrees to it, I, I, I can be quiet to allow the space for it to do it. But James Harden said, and I quote, Murray is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization of these partners. Let me say that again. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. So we're going to go ahead and let y'all dissect that when y'all actually hear if C. Grant can put that audio in there. But I'm going to paraphrase it just in case he didn't. James Harden said that Daryl Morey is a liar, and he does will not play for any organization that Daryl Morey is a part of. Um, there's a lot to unpack in that. I know it sounds like a simple two-sentence statement, but considering what was said, how it was said, and for me, where it was said, I've got a lot of different feelings on it. But I want to give the floor to you and hear your take on it before I say anything. Uh, I think James James Harden used his platform in, an, in, in a country where he is still one of the top favorites. So... He's in a country where he's not going to get booed. If people are not going to feel a certain type of way, they're going to appreciate him a little bit more than they do necessarily in the States. And I think he had that audience to speak his claim about, look, I don't want to be here. Because, again, there were so many reports prior to James Harden going back was that, you know, he's going to report to training camp. They're going to work on some things. They're going to get past this. And, you know, that was a narrative that was put out there. Obviously, it wasn't by James Harden. And maybe also I think Phil James Harden probably feels like maybe he's – I don't know. I don't know because the thing, the tricky thing about the media from what I see is some of these players stay so quiet so long that some of these narratives become what you – it almost becomes into law because you don't hear them say anything. And Correct. I think now, now that he's actually said something, it makes you question about some of the deals that were done that people felt like James Harden approved or James Harden forced his way so he can get to closer to Daryl Moore because Daryl Moore's going to let him do what he wants to do. You know, and it's like, now he's coming out saying, nah, that ain't, that's not the case. So it makes it a very interesting twist for this upcoming season because when you look at under, under Daryl Moore's t- tenured as the, you know, because um, was it, wait, is he officially the general manager? Or is he like a, President of uh, basketball, basketball operations. operations. You want to call it because well, I best think, basketball uh, operations. I think Elton, Elton Brand. Brand is still labeled as the GM. Yeah. So I think, but ba- basketball operations, you know, that's the GM's boss. So mm-hmm. I think with him losing out on Ben Simmons and now possibly losing out on James Harden, James Harden is looking for an opportunity to go somewhere to where he feels like he can still get a large contract. And if he changes, if he shows the narrative of hey, it's not my fault that I'm in this situation and I want to play, there's a team that might like likely to bite as opposed to 
as opposed to if Maury controls it, then, you know, it's James Harden's fine and we're going to make this work in Philadelphia. And I don't really feel like James Harden wants to be in Philadelphia. I feel like James Harden wants to be either the man or the clear-cut second two, number two, where I feel like in Philadelphia there was times where Tyrese Maxey was stepping up and James Harden was kind of not used in the role that he would like to be used in. Yeah. So that that's a – um. You know, I know you got some other points that you want to bring up and stuff like that, but I really feel like James Absolutely. Harden is, is definitely Absolutely, going to. I, I um, see your your point, and and I I to a major extent I agree with with a lot of what you're saying. Um, I mean, the things that I'm going to add to it, they aren't going to be anything to be more or less an opposition to what you're saying, but there's more like an addendum for the audience out there to to consider in in all of these things. And I'll I'll save the last part, the political part. For, for, for the end uh, of mm-hmm. so let's just talk from a basketball and business perspective uh, a year ago James Brown I mean James Harden opted to take less money for this extension this two years ago mm-hmm. those are facts with the idea that he would take these this lesser deal so that Philadelphia could add players players yeah. were added that's how they were able to bring in PJ Tucker uh, I think Daniel House came along too. Daniel House, yeah, yeah. So two guys that he played with previously in Houston were able to be acquired by Daryl Morey because the salary cap and the salary left on the table by James Harden allowed them to bring better players on. That's a fact. What seems to be the inspiration for James Harden saying that Daryl Morey is a liar, if you use some type of I don't know, like presumptive thinking. Is that is that a good way of putting it? Mm-hmm. If you make if you if you make a observational guess, you can intimate that when this deal was done, it was one of those we gonna need you to take a cut now so that we could take care of you later. Mm-hmm. So sign this deal that gives you the opportunity next year once this deal is over to opt out. So that we can sign you to a larger deal. You're still in that window. We still have your bird rights. And we can still give you close to a max deal. But in order to give you an opportunity to compete right now, we need you to take less of money based on the salary cap situation we're in. Because let's just be real. You and I have laughed about Philadelphia's salary cap situation before James Harden got there. Because before it was the James Harden salary slot, that was the Ben Simmons slot. All they basically did was swap out one guy for another, but the amount of money spent or dedicated as far as the cap is concerned, it's pretty much still been one left-handed guy who does a lot of dribbling. It's just one takes threes and the other won't shoot. Mm. So with that being said, I believe that James Harden's claim or statement that Daryl Morey is a liar is more so about the fact that he had an expectation that he would not have to opt into this deal to get the kind of money he was expecting to get for this coming season and for the seasons going forward. Exactly. That's where I think the liar situation comes into play. He had one of those, and this is the problem that, that we've come to realize has been rearing its head in the off seasons of the NBA for a long time. These deals that aren't actually officially deals because they can't actually officially be deals. Now, mm. Daryl Morey probably put his word on the line because of his relationship with James Harden. I got you. Trust me. Those type of things. I took care of you for eight years in Houston. I'm going to take care of you here. Just bear with me. But guess what? Daryl Morey had a blank checkbook in Houston. Up until those last two years, he pretty much had autonomy to do what he needed to do with the roster because one, Houston was breaking in a ton of money and two, Houston was raking in a ton of money. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll pay because we're making the money back. Harden jersey was probably a top five seller. His shoes. Oh, that's a fact. That's a fact. He was, remember, he was, he was arguably, he was in the running every year for MVP. And during that prime, those prime years of at Houston. I mean, there was times when people felt that he actually. MVP. The year that Westbrook won. Was that, what, 2018, 2019? Because they, I mean, the belief was that Harden could have been a back-to-back MVP, but he didn't win the year that Westbrook won, which was either the year after he won or before. So, you know, he and Westbrook alternated back-to-back MVP awards. That's a fact. Um, But that was the Westbrook triple-double season. So it was, 
you know, I think I think hindsight is always twenty twenty when it comes to to those MVP races because we always look back and think about how many times Kobe or Jordan should have gotten MVP, but all of these other random players got it, like the year Carbone got it and paid for it in the finals, mm-hmm. or the year that the year that David Robinson got it and then Hakeem Olajuwon let him know who the real MVP was. So they do make for intriguing stories. Or how about Embiid getting it? And then we mm-hmm. saw what happened to him. So, and now we all say we're revisionists. Oh man, Jokic should have been the MVP again, but nobody wanted to do that again. He's already been the MVP twice. So mm-hmm. to go back to the whole James Harden, he's a liar statement. You, you've got that, and then you've got what happened after he realizes he's not going to get the deal he wants to get. All right, well, fine. But, Y'all can't but also, what, what about go ahead. what about if I can't get the deal I want, then they, they wanted, they were talking about he wanted to be traded. Correct. So, and then, and so then they talked about, and go with it. okay, gotcha. Got it. No, continue, continue. Cause you're, yeah, well, you're I was just saying, guy. it was a situation where, look, if I can't get the, if you, okay, you know what, plan B was to, I couldn't get the money, was plan A. Plan B is, okay, we couldn't get you the money, we're going to get you to trade up out of here. And we're going to probably do like a sign and trade. All right, these are the list of suitors. He's like, oh heck no! Now you want me to opt in? This was not plan A, A and B. Don't get me where I really want to be at anyway, because at anyway he wants to re up on that money. He would like to if he can't re up on that money with Philadelphia. Let me get a, a good chunk of that money somewhere else. Well, if that's not going to happen, why am I reporting trending? Am I opted into this deal and not being traded? So yeah. You promised me A or B, and now you introduced C and said I was okay with it. No, I'm not okay with C. So that's I think that's what happened is A was give me the bag because I made the sacrifice. It didn't work. You presented me the plan B was, hey, I can't get you a bag, but I can get you a, a, a nice bag, but in another location that you want to play. He probably was like, all right, bet, run that. And then it happened, and I said, okay, well, just opt in, James, and we'll go to training camp. What? All right, it's a wrap. I'm done. No, he opted in to protect his salary and requesting a trade. So those two things kind of like, they're hand in hand, you know? So I think that was the second or, or an additional part to the liar situation because I think it came to an understanding where Maury was probably like, and this is all a hypothetical situation, but Maury mm. doesn't seem to be really good at lying. So that's why I don't want to say he's a liar, but he doesn't seem really good at fabricating his intentions very well from the interviews, his demeanor, the things that I've seen and heard him do, and something that I'll get to once we wrap this up. I'm pretty sure, or I'm kind of confident that Harden opted into the contract, asked for the trade once Maury said, management's not going to allow me to extend you for the number you want. So I can't give you, let's, and let's just throw a number out there just so that there's an understanding of, of what we're talking about. We're talking about Harden is eligible for a max deal. So that's like four years, 200 plus million. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia would probably like, <laughs> we ain't doing that. Exactly. So if the franchise you're with and you're the decision maker who can dole out a contract and you don't have the green light to give that player that contract, What's your secondary method to appease them? James, I can't give you the deal you want, but if you opt in and request a trade, I can try and get you to a team that you want, like like what we did before in Houston. Mm. So now you have that on the table, and now Daryl Morey has to make the trade happen. But guess what? According to everyone else, there's only one place Harden said he wanted to go, the Clippers. So once Mm. again, we have a Dame Lillard situation where – the team can't even negotiate in good faith because it's already understood that the player only wants to go there. Yeah. So I'm not going to give you my best assets. I'm not even going to make those assets available for you to ask for. I'm hearing the type of guys that, that Terrence Mann wasn't available. And he's, a, he's arguably what? Their best young player in, in, in LA? Mm-hmm. So if you can't even get that guy, I definitely don't want to package a Nick Batum and you know, whatever else you're going to throw my way. Exactly. We're Philly. We, we were just in the Easter Conference finals. Yeah, it's not going to We, we, we want to compete. So I can't take back a package where 
I'm taking 25 cents on the dollar. It just cannot happen. Not mm-hmm. for a $35 million salary slot. So yeah. you got Daryl Morey who's negotiating against himself to try and appease a player who, you know, it doesn't it's make tough sense. to move because there's not a lot of people who can get involved to allow him to get the things that would make him and the job that he does. Because remember, we can say all we want about Daryl Morey, but he's got one job, and his primary job is to service the Philadelphia 76ers. That's who's cutting his check. Mm-hmm. So he can't just go out there and say, oh, loyalty over everything, and I got you, James, and I'm going to screw over my employer. He's not going to do that. He can't. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because remember, even as a GM or whatever, you still require the approval of ownership. If ownership says, I didn't agree like that deal, you know the deal gets revoked. Basically. So we know that all these GMs essentially are, are moving around with power of attorney. But the NBA yeah. still works with the basis that the owner is informed in green lighting on these moves. So if the owner is not giving you a green light, you can't make the move. Mm-hmm. Because the owner is real quick. To, so let's say Daryl Morey said, you know what? I got a deal that's perfect. I'm going to send Harden to Phoenix. And the owner don't want him to go to Phoenix. Owner gets on the phone and calls Matt Eastbrook. Yo, listen, I'm hearing Daryl Morey talking about no. All right. That's it. That's mm-hmm. it. It's like it's, it's, it's like us going to our manager and saying we're going to do something, but we don't have managerial authority. The manager is still going to have the ability to override us. But let's get to the political end because, again, this is not going to be a long podcast, but I want you to, I want you to lay this out for me so it doesn't seem like I'm just being one-sided with it. So James Harden made those comments. What country was he in? China. Daryl Morey is probably the least liked in what country in the world? China. Because a couple years back, Daryl Morey tweeted, I stand with Hong Kong. Mm. So the moment James Harden made that statement about the most hated basketball executive in the United States, in the country that hates him, what happened? They cheered. Mm-hmm. Yep. This was one of the greatest examples of, if it wasn't intentional, pandering I've seen to literally pit a country mm-hmm. against a guy. For the world to see. Yep. We can say all we want about James Harden. Oh, he's made himself get traded three times in three years. What we can't say is that he don't speak his mind. And when he do, it's not clear. Yeah. We cannot like how he chooses to do it. Remember, we indicted him for what happened in Brooklyn, him asking out. Mm -hmm. And then what happened when he got to Philly and everybody got to see Kevin Durant and Kyrie leave. We wind up having to say, yo, James, you know, uh, <laughs> my bad. Kind of so yeah, exactly. <laughs> you you really knew what was going on. Not these um not the people on the outside look trying to uh tell us what was going on. And when we saw the Rockets disintegrate after he left, we kind of had to go, well, yeah, you know, you you wasn't really that wrong for one to get away from that situation. I mean, you, you probably could have stayed and hoped they put together another roster, but I mean, considering how quickly they was to tank. Mm-hmm. Heck, it was a you for Can't be mad at you for, you know, backing out and hopping on a plane and going to Brooklyn. I, I can't be mad. But that's two out of the three situations he asked out of where he's not really, we, we can look at him and say, dang, he asked for it. But we can also say, was he really that wrong? And the answer is no. Listen, well, listen. When that man put on a fat suit to get out of Houston, <laughs> and then then showed up to Brooklyn like twenty pounds lighter, it was like, wait a minute, man. <laughs> we just see you. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, he, he he definitely by any means necessary. He definitely embellished that at a level that you know. I don't know if I've seen before in, in, in my lifetime. I don't know if I've ever seen an athlete, you know, go out that way to get out that way. 
You know, I, you know, we've seen guys sit out. Or, like, what was it when, when Terrell Owens got in trouble back in the day and he did training camp in Philly from his garage or from his, his yard? Remember that? Mm-hmm, Andy mm-hmm. Reid sent him home and he was like, oh, well, you ain't going to stop me from working out. And he just held a, a workout, a public workout. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> in, in, in his garage or, or his front yard, whatever he did. Point is, I, I find that whole situation to have a little bit of everything to it. But what I will say is that James Harden not wanting to play in Philadelphia is not something that we could be shocked about. We can't. Ben Simmons wanted the same thing two years ago. What did, what did Tobias mm-hmm. Harris say? He said, man, these fans are trade me for what? Chips and dip or something silly like that? Oh, something like that. Yeah, they, they'll get him up out of there. You know, if they had it their way, he, you know, he'd be gone for anything. The, the, the first thing smoking. So there, there, there is a stigma to playing for the Philadelphia 76ers that that franchise is going to have to resolve. And you got Joel Embiid watching in the wings. Mm-hmm. Coming off of NBC, NBA season. I mean, MVP season. And he's already said in the offseason, what did he say? He wanted to get better. I want to win. I want to win. And that's going to be in Philly or somewhere else. Thanks for thanks for the uh, MVP award, kid. You're about to go somewhere else. But again, and that's the thing, this is another part of when you hire new management, they want to bring in their own pieces, their own players, and it doesn't always balance it the previous tenured or previous regime, the leftover players from the previous doesn't always mix in with the new guys. So well, when we started this journey, you and I, we we took a I don't want to say we I took a stance and you just I don't want to say went along with it, but you've chosen to like I guess like take a lesser we're real passive when it comes to Philly. Is that fair? When we talk basketball, we're real passive about mm-hmm. how much Philadelphia energy we give. And there's a yeah, reason why. Mm-hmm. We watched the process unfold. We saw how that franchise began to implode. And then yep. they just, they've just been putting these band-aids that don't make sense yeah. on wounds that are like seven-degree burns. Yeah. So it's like when you have this observational sense that we have to know like, hey, this ain't going to end well. It's like, ain't no point in talking about it. Philly is approved city. And again, it's another year where they're going to be approved. We're going to do we're going to do our, our annual preseason favorites. <laughs> and we may not mention Philly. And it's not because Philly isn't a good team. It's not because Philly doesn't have a chance to win a championship. It's because this is what they do they make wait, it impossible for you to make a wait but who's the lead? coach for philly right now Nick Nurse. oh that's right oh who yeah. is a favorite of mine you know i'm a nick nurse guy yeah but that's not gonna work oh yeah it's a wrap he's going to and it, toronto probably did not want james harden because i'm sure nick nurse definitely when he got there Say, listen, let's trade James to some of my guys in Toronto. No, Toronto signed uh, my guy, Schroeder. Mr. I fumbled the bag. Mm-hmm. That was their swap out for, uh, for uh, which, by the way, shout out to him because, you know, that bag that he got in Houston. Bless you, man. Bless you, Van Vliet. Oh, you're talking about, oh, Van Vliet. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can't blame bless, you. Bless you, man. To, to, to go from. Was second round undrafted? No, he was undrafted. Undrafted, yeah. To 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 what you've accomplished, kudos to you. But let's also just remember, you've never shot more than forty percent for your career in a season. Doesn't matter now. It, it doesn't. All star world champion. He was all star. Uh, yeah. Really? Van Vliet went to the all star game. Oh my goodness. Yo, damn, Yo I thought East I was got bad. issues, man. He's got issues, man. Remember, Toronto was good for a couple of years. And they yeah, they the were, but he wasn't even starting. Was that the year he started? Was that the, the first Lowry gone year that he became an all-star? No, I thought, it was, I thought it was the year after Kawhi left. 
Ain't no way. You gonna make me pull this up, Yo, man. You got me. I'm searching this right now, too. Yeah, he made the All-Star game. I'm, I'm sure. not saying he didn't make the All-Star. I believe it. I just Yeah, it was a season. It was the 2021-2022 season. So it wasn't, it wasn't this past season. It was the season before that. Which yeah. is... Yeah, so... That was the first year he was a starter. Because remember, oh. he came. He, well, not oh, the first he, year he was a starter. He was the first year he was the starting point guard. Because I think him and Cal Lowry started together that first, yes. first, first post Kawhi year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he averaged 21, 7, and 5. And he was leading the league in minutes per game at the time. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's the year. I think that was the year they gave uh, Philly a headache in the first round and lost in like five games or six games, whatever the case may be. They they did they did go to the playoffs. So I, again, I'm not taking anything away from point being Nick Van Nurse, Nick 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 Nurse is a <laughs> is a team basketball kind of guy. I don't think he's ever had a player of Joel Embiid's caliber at his position available to deploy. Of course not. I do believe that. You mean you don't think? Together. Of course not. You don't got an MVP. Well, no. Nick, well, well, no. Nick Nurse was an assistant coach for quite some time. So, you know, when you're an assistant coach, you draw up more game plans than the head coach does. No, I, what I'm saying is to have a MVP center oh, yeah, in that yeah, position, yeah. Okay. he never had. Pedigree, no. no. Yeah. As a head coach, absolutely not. I, not even a debate. But mm-hmm. I mean, to have someone that talented or a, a, a premier level talent at the five position because of right. the way that Nick Nurse designs offense, that's really what I'm going through. Gotcha. His, his offensive principles have never really relied on. And then that's another thing. Doc Rivers didn't do this either. Joel Embiid does not dominate the interior. He dominates the mid post. Mm-hmm. And even though he scores 30 points a game, the way he gets them it leads to a death. You know what? You're not going to do this. Philly. <laughs> Save Philly. Philly, man. Listen, we got enough Philly, yeah. enough Philly check people that check into the show that's definitely going to hear this and they definitely going to, they're definitely going to send you a, a message or something. They're going to let so you listen, know whatever, they don't listen, appreciate Philly, that. Philly, Philly lovers who, who are supporters, I appreciate y'all all. If y'all want us to do and if y'all want to join us for an in-depth discussion on the Philadelphia 76ers, y'all are welcome to do it. Y'all can email us at viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. Tag us on social media at viewsfromtheclutch on Facebook and Instagram. Did we get our TikTok back? Not yet, no. Nah. All right. Well, Facebook and Instagram, y'all can tag us there. Y'all can tag us individually on our social media pages. Y'all want to talk Philly? Every time we put this challenge out, I don't be hearing nothing from y'all. No, of course not. Because they, they can't stand on what they say. But shout out to Philly. Shout out to Easy to Block Captain. Shout out to the Trenchers car coming up soon. I, it's not that I have an issue with Philadelphia. Philadelphia's a great city. But y'all sports team and y'all basketball team has had issues since we started the podcast and prior to it. Of course. That's both part of the process we're in right now. Y'all real right hasn't been real right since AI. If we're just hmm. going to be honest. Yeah. But at the end of the day... Y'all have a great player who y'all on the verge of not being able to keep. Like, I can only imagine what is on Joel Embiid's noggin right now watching what James Harden just did. Because, again, let's go ahead. Before we wrap this up, give me this energy. So let's say James Harden shows up to, to 76's basketball camp. Who, who, who immediately loses respect? Does James Harden lose respect for showing up? Does Daryl Morey lose respect with the players for forcing him to? You lose the locker room. You, potential. Or, well, we saw this already with Ben Simmons with his cell phone in his pocket exactly. during, 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 the pl- during, the, um, during practice. James Harden literally already has a script to refer to on how to be a training camp disruptor. Mm-hmm. And you're going to compel a man who says he does not want to play for your franchise as long. What he's saying is, in, 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 in so many different ways, is y'all can give me a contract, y'all can fire Daryl Morey, 
and give me a contract or y'all betrayed me. But this idea that y'all going to have me here on a one-year expiry deal to build my value back up, and I don't think, and this is another thing that I think is part of it, and I'll end it on this note. Next year, Philadelphia, the, the Tobias Harris contract comes off the books. Then they have to extend Maxi. So they're freeing up salary slots for the future so that they can, quote, unquote, retool around Embiid because Embiid's salary number is $51 million come next season. So a big percentage of their cap is locked into three players. Harden's contract, once they relinquish his cap space, they can, you know, use his bird rights to give him a big deal if they want to. But again, he'll be 35. Because he's turning 34 before this season starts. That means he turned 35 before next season starts. Mm -hmm. And remember, they have that rule in place where you can only give a guy like a two-year deal once you go past, I think, 35 or 32, or whatever the case may be. Your extension can only be for like two years, three years. And even at a max number, it's not going to recoup the L that James Harden essentially took financially for these past two seasons. And, you know, listen, when he want to give gifts to a little baby, you, you need a budget. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Listen, he's trying to get back to – he's trying to get to – yeah, he's, he, it's going to be very interesting this season. Thinking about the NBA – it always keeps us watching. Always. And on that note, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of Views from the Clutch. As always, we'd like to say thank you to our supporters, listeners, and subscribers. If you can, please follow us on any of the podcasting platforms we're hosted, Spotify, Apple Music, or any other podcasting platform. Google is, is another reference point. If you have an opportunity to leave us a review, please do so. You can use words and type something. Let us know how you feel. Five-star review helps us out, moves us up in the algorithm. We are looking forward to making a transition to video casting. We have not yet declared our platform, but when we do, we would like to have you join us. I have been looking into an opportunity to join a feature called Playback, which will allow us to watch games together. So if you would like to join the Views from the Clutch viewing party, please let us know because that was something that we would like to explore, but ain't no point to us having a viewing party if it's just me and C. Grant. You understand? <laughs> and on that note, I'm going to say peace. Peace.